0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening to our listeners who have joined us for our third episode of The Artful Nutmeg. We are so excited to continue on this new podcast journey of deep diving into stories of the beautiful game we all love. This week being International Week and both hosts residing in the US of A, we are here to look at the US Men's National Team which I think this week I will learn just as much as our listeners. I am one of your hosts Tom Ferguson and with me is our other host Daniel Wise. How are things Daniel?
1: Yeah, so this week uh is is definitely fun because I get to lord um the the usa over you for about an hour um but what is interesting most of all is sort of seeing how the u.s soccer sort of started um you know as sort of like an amateur thing and then grew into an official uh sort of outfit had a little bit of early success and um Irrelevancy for about 60 years uh, in, until they, you know, really got it together uh, in the late 80s and then sort of had a consistent climb or, you know, not not necessarily climb, but presence, I would say, uh, because it was sort of around the 90s that the team, uh, you know, hosted the 94 World Cup and then from there uh, became Kind of a, a mainstay uh, for for a bit of time, um, n- n- sort of uh, aside from a, a small misfortune, which which you'll talk about. Um, but sort That's of my like introduce, part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this week I wanted to kind of like introduce the show with uh, kind of one of my favorite uh, U.S. soccer memories. It was while I was living in D.C. Um, it was the 2014 World Cup. And my buddy and I, we, we it was the opener. We wanted to catch it. Uh, it was between the United States and Ghana. And little context there, uh, you know, I was still very sour about the 2010 World Cup when uh, Ghana knocked out the United States in the round of 16. Uh, So we had work and it was uh, a match that started, I want to say, like around four or something like that. And uh, we we tried getting off work like. A bit early, so we could get down to what was what was the Laughing Man Tavern, um where the the American Outlaws uh watch the games. And the American Outlaws are the official supporter group of the US men's and women's national teams. So we get there and it is um A a literal blockbuster uh, because we we arrive and the entire place was filled up. And there was a line stretching, you know, from halfway, you know, and and D.C. has big city blocks. So it's going from halfway uh, down G Street and then wrapping around over into I I think it was 13th. So uh, it was just one of those things where like, yeah, we were like, there's no way we're getting in there. So we had to call an audible and we ended up at one of our favorite watering holes, which was uh, the Union Pub. And we caught the game there and it was great uh, because we watched it with a group of uh, Ghanaian um, dudes like just, we're just there hanging out and we just had a heck of a time hanging out with them. Uh, and and we were just, you know, singing back and forth against each other and all that. Uh, and yeah, when the United States came out firing and, uh, you know, scored that early goal and then Ghana came back and then, you know, us, uh, scored again. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of like a, a tight, game and and super fun we had a chant that we had going on uh we were we were singing um it's not gonna happen uh so we, (laughs) we had some decent banter going on and uh yeah i was i was with a good friend of mine um who is a huge u.s national team fan and uh yeah he and i were like He he and I like really kept each other like into soccer and we were always going to D.C. United games and all that. And yeah, that whole 2014 run was really memorable, really enjoyed it. And yeah, that's when I was like really in kind of the U.S. soccer culture. But of course, you know, you have a particular memory as well. And uh, this one is not so happy, though. Yeah.
0: Well, um, just a quick tidbit on what you're saying. I love uh, I love watching games or like interacting with you know fans of the opposing team. I remember being in Germany uh, for the 2006 World Cup and they were singing. I'm wearing my England shirt, of course. Mm-hmm. And I'm twelve. <laughs> and they're singing uh, something, Alfhausen, something, which is basically, you have to go home now at me on the train. <laughs> and oh, I was like a 12 no. year old. And my dad found it <laughs> hilarious. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sorry. That just reminded me about that. But yeah. onto a happier memory, that for me definitely has to be the qualifying game for the U.S. men's national team if we are focusing on. U.S. men national team games, where they had a shocking loss to Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, this is back in 2017, where they, that loss was what kept them from going to the World Cup in Russia. And I remember, you know, from watching games and talking, talking with fans and friends, that, you know, it was a, it was a good game. U S team. It had some, some parts where maybe there were some veterans that had stuck around too long. Maybe we were putting too many eggs in the basket of certain players, but it was sort of like that. The U S wasn't really taking qualifying seriously enough. And they, they learned it the hard way where, you know, if in what could be seen as an easy game, uh, you can get shocked because this is soccer and it's soccer. Crazy things happen, things you don't expect. And for Trinidad to go 2 0 up on the US and keep them out of the World Cup was insane. I mean, shocking.
1: It was a, you know, rainy day in the Caribbean. And I guess, you know, that's sort of one of those things, can the US do it on a rainy day in the Caribbean? (laughs) (laughs) Click exactly. Um, yeah, that match uh was heartbreaking um in a lot of ways, but really that entire kind of post 2014 World Cup going into 2017 um was really rough because Jurgen Klinsmann um he he really came in and uh had a vision and a plan for the United States but unfortunately that plan didn't include a lot of developmental uh work. He had this strange animosity towards Major League Soccer and players who played in that league. Uh he tended to prefer players who played in the big European leagues uh, who had or or even in in cer- certain cases you know kind of a dual citizenship thing where he was able to uh finagle uh some some players that, you know from uh uh Germany uh to be able to play in uh for the US men's national team um and yes it was just weird he had this almost um Oh, kind of Mourinho with uh, Chelsea kind of mindset. He he didn't care a whole lot about the younger players and uh, he really wanted the veteran talent. Uh, And so it it really happened where I think it was the U.S. loss in the Gold Cup. And then they also lost their first uh, qualifying rounds against mexico and it was either honduras or el salvador Mm. but he he had just a real rough patch after that world cup and so the united states had to bring in Bruce Arena which uh it, anyone who has followed the US national team for a, a long period of time uh get flashbacks of 2002 and that disastrous uh World Cup run um it, it it really he's a great football mind but he was kind of out of his element he already had to kind of uh dig the team out of a hole and you know just came down to a really wicked night down in Trinidad and Tobago, and uh, th- and and that's the rest of the story, as they say. And uh, 2018 uh, was the year I supported Mexico, so that that's sort of yeah, it's that was a rough spot. Yeah,
0: yeah, that is. I remember Bruce Arena. My man, oh man. Between between uh, the U.S. coaches, who would you say has been your favorite?
1: Oh, man. Um, You know, Bradley did a lot to foster um, a lot of the the up and comers, um, you know, between. Well, not up and well, yeah, kind of a mix of veterans and up and comers, you know, between like Clint Dempsey yeah. and Landon Donovan. Um, he was a guy I think the team really rallied uh behind. Um You know, Greg Berhalter, uh, he on kind of the opposite end was very much like youth, youth, youth. And, um, you know, but but to a degree, I think he just like experimented too much. He tinkered way too much with the formula, uh, you know, kind of leading up to the. 22 World Cup and unfortunately, you know, uh th- things kind of happened as they did. Uh, you know, kind of in his personal life and yeah. you know the Claudio Reyna uh Gio Reina situation and you know, uh you know, and I totally forgot this happened, but you know, now the US has another interim uh coach in Han- Anthony Hudson and uh you know, he's You know, he's coming into a a fresh uh, CONCACAF Nations League tournament, or I guess, you know, they're they're still in the league portion, but um, he is working with a roster that has a lot of young talent uh, and and some proven guys who are playing that big league uh, international football. Uh, But, you know, it's it's really up to, uh, you know, this team, how they're going to cohesively get through this so i think you know nations league is going to be an interesting test and then obviously gold cup uh coming up pretty soon um it's it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out for them uh in this time you know do you do you ever catch yourself you know do you watch any u.s national team like you know just like on on a regular basis or or are you england or nothing uh,
0: no I'd, I'd like to or,
1: or i guess the bigger like team eyes
0: on the enemy uh I like to I I tend Uh to watch footy, you know, as much as I as much as I can. It doesn't matter what league. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. and the nice thing for US games is, you know, they're mostly in the evening. Um, so that's that's a being someone who's an avid Premier League supporter who wakes up at seven thirty for games. I mean you must wake up earlier. But yeah, I mean the being able to watch a game that's at eight PM is fantastic um so yeah i tend to watch a lot of u.s games my roommate supports uh the u.s men's national teams in some way Them in peru so uh yeah i get a i get a good amount of footy in but with um i was i was reading that anthony hudson was the assistant do you think he's gonna end up having that having that role full time or are we gonna end up seeing someone like jesse marsh come in
1: Gosh, yeah, you know, you 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 know, it's interesting. You do I I wanna say like there are people who are just glad that Berhalter is out. Um and and he was a very, very unpopular choice, uh kind of coming in after Bruce arena um, being that he has a lot of connections with us soccer. Uh, There was a a bit of talk with, of, you know, sort of cronyism and nepotism that was happening uh, with some of the hires that were coming in Mm -hmm. at kind of the, the higher end of us soccer. And I think he's, you know, it's unfortunate. I like the guy. Uh, I like him as a coach, Uh, got a lot of respect for him, but I think he 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 just came into a really rough situation. And it's unfortunate because this is probably the the best crop of players that the U.S. has had. Um, through, you know, the, the, you know, sort of 30 past years that they've really been coming to prominence, like probably more players in prominent roles at big European clubs, uh, playing and it's, it's just rough. So, you know, I, 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 the whole organization is really in a rough place. I think, you know, a lot of people are, you know, thinking that there's a lot of corruption with us soccer and there is a lot to work through, uh, before we can really say like this team is looking solid or, or anything like that. Yeah. But we'll kind of see what happens, uh, with these nation league uh, games. Um, they're kind of half.
0: Sorry. I I got a bit of a surprise apparently. Um, looks like it might be getting a bit better. The by my my two friends, uh, Forrest and Jose, I'll give them a little Mm. shout out, just sent me some news on someone who has turned up at in Orlando, has been photographed outside of a pub in Orlando, and that would be Balogun, who is an Arsenal player who has been tearing it up for Reims this season and has just... He put out... He got snubbed for a selection for the England team and he is able to make the choice oh. to play for the US of A if he wants to. Oh, that's and wild. Yeah, they just sent oh, me pictures wow. of him in Orlando where the US men's national team is currently training. So, that's, I would not be surprised. That's super crazy. <laughs> that's, that's nuts. I... I
1: love you know you know what that's great and especially you know him being an arsenal man like that that speaks to me in a personal way so I I definitely appreciate that um big news (laughs) I I, they literally Um,
0: texted me about it like five minutes ago it popped up and they sent me the pictures of him there and I've seen his Instagram posts where he's the day the England squad came out it was like if you're not uh you know, if you're not being appreciated, you know, stay blessed with like a bye sort of thing, and it was definitely referencing oh, the wow. England team. So that would be awesome. He's a very good player, young player, would definitely help that U.S. men's national team out.
1: That that's fantastic. But, you know, enough talk about sort of like the current yeah. state of the national team. This show is really and I, I mean, honestly, you could do a whole series about kind of the different eras of the U.S. Soccer Federation. And, um, you know, between, uh, you know, it's it's early days and kind of like climb to prominence uh, and and sort of like it's fits and starts sort of like. Uh, in in the 1930s and then, you know, complete irrelevance in the 1950s and 60s. Uh, it's just an interesting story. But a little tidbit. Uh, the first U.S. national team was put together in 1885. What? And they played. Yeah. And wow. another thing, it this was actually the first um, international soccer match that was recorded Outside of the United Kingdom, or it took place outside of the United Kingdom. So, little little tip in, in this side of the uh, hemisphere's cap. Uh, it was a match between uh, the USA and Canada, and it took place in Newark, New Jersey. And it was a 1-0 defeat of the U.S. national team, uh. <laughs> which really... <laughs> It, yeah. <laughs> and really that w- it was made up of kind of, yeah, uh, amateur soccer players uh, just with some local universities. Um, and so it really wasn't until 1916 uh, when U.S. soccer or uh, uh, really like formed uh, and it had its first uh, match against Sweden and Stockholm where the U.S. won uh, three to two. Uh, so it, you know, comes about and it really isn't until 1930, uh, with the World Cup being held in Uruguay. And that year, the United States, uh, made a heck of a run and it stands as their best run in World Cup history. Uh, they made a run all the way to the semifinals and were knocked out, uh, completely flat against Argentina. Uh, it was six to one, uh, unfortunate, or, you know, sort of, uh, the way the world cup operated back then is that they did not have a third place match at that time. And the U S was granted third place, uh, sort of based on stats and records, uh, over Yugoslavia, which took the fourth place, uh, position. Um, But just kind of looking through uh, the United States uh, beat Belgium uh, three to nothing. Uh, three, uh, they won three to nothing again, uh, against Paraguay and yeah, they, they put up some, some great numbers. Uh, unfortunately after that point, um, you know, it really is not a lot, you know, it, they had the, they qualified for the 1934 world cup uh and the 1936 uh Olympic Games um but you do not see anything um until uh gosh uh the 1980s I want to say Yikes. uh so kind of looking th- yeah so yeah so from so obviously with with uh World War II going on you don't have anything going on in 1938 uh. And because they withdrew, so 1950, that is when they uh, qualify again. and they uh, uh, basically didn't make it out of the group stage. <laughs> um, did not qualify at all from 1954 to 1986, and then um, came in in 1990. That was their first uh, World Cup um qualification so yeah you look at that that is um absolutely wild uh that sort of 40 year difference for a team i mean that is me that that's more than my life and that's that would be so crazy you know i'm so used to just seeing the U- united states in the world cup mm, yeah. that uh i'm i'm like spoiled but yes there was a an entire period where they were not present at all um and so, yeah, I I uh, am, am just you know it's just really interesting looking back, and uh, you know they did try to kind of get back into it around uh, the nineteen eighties. Uh, it they they wanted there was an interesting thing where they were trying to work uh, sort of with the national. Uh, or what the the fir- the first iteration of the NAS- NASL uh, which was the North American Soccer League um, and that was kind of like the before MLS the first like push for soccer or professional soccer in the United States. Okay. What the US Soccer Federation tried doing in the 1980s was uh, really weird. They had a tough time getting like consistent, you know, sort of veterans, um, or, or, you know, sort of like, or I guess, you know, people competing with the national team. So, what they tried doing was they put together uh, a national team club that they tried to fit in with the NASO. And it was basically Team America. Uh, It was a completely it was or a complete failure and uh eventually you know after NASL folded uh you know kind of like this team america uh went along with it and US soccer had to kind of go back to the drawing board um so you know they you know did the olympics in 19 or 1988 and around that time they wanted to uh you know sort of reframe what they were trying to do with the national team. So they were, you know, trying to essentially lure veterans with full-time contracts to play with them. Uh so they went to Seoul uh and yeah, uh, Japan. Uh what yeah, it was South Korea and Japan. Yeah. So uh they they played in the Olympic Games. They didn't go very far, uh but they did get you know, sort of granted the World Cup hosting gig uh, in 1994. And this is the part where the team, like, really gets it together. So, you know, you had... Uh, a lot of popular, uh, stars who were, you know, kind of coming up and, you know, sort of the likes of Alexi Lalas and Colby Jones, uh, and, and also it was interesting, uh, looking back in 1988, uh, there was a men's, um, uh, I guess, you know, there was an announcement for the, the men's roster and, uh, Little DC United throwback here. John Hart's oh, there we uh, go was part of that team, and he was a spry, twenty-one year old kid with uh, w- w- with that team. So you know, uh, yeah, the the team, you know, they they so they got all these you know veteran players to sort of sign on and play. Uh, the nineteen ninety four World Cup, you know, was a huge thing for soccer in America because following that. Uh, was the formation of Major League Soccer. And, uh, you know, sort of it became kind of a consistent home mm-hmm. uh, for American players to develop, uh, you know, obviously for European players to uh, find their footing in uh, the USA. And, yeah, coming along, you know, they, the, it was just uh, an exciting time. Uh, around the 1990s, you know, gosh, I am around oof, 94. I would have been eight years old at that time. So, you know, I the the most I was getting in terms of soccer at that at that time was probably. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, did I have like Sports Illustrated for kids? Was he even I don't even think it was that early that that magazine existed. But I remember that was kind of my introduction uh, to U.S. soccer because, man, it was it was actually huge uh, in that magazine. Like you'd see the likes of Landon Donovan or right. Kobe Jones. So, you know, that was um, kind of my only exposure to it. And again, you know, it's so... uh it's wild to see how far the sport has come in America over the years uh, because you barely could could catch it. Um, I think in terms of televised, you know, mainstream football, it would be the World Cup or the Olympics. That was really uh, yeah. the only way I could catch anything. I didn't know anything Um until, you know, I was probably in high school. And even then, you know, that was from playing FIFA. Uh, and then I didn't see an actual, like, international game. I think the first international game I ever saw was um, or was probably um, it was Liverpool versus uh, AC Milan. But it wasn't the major comeback. It was the runback match.
0: I was just thinking, I was like, that's quite a a game. It was the year,
1: (laughs) it was 2006, I want to say, where I took a small uh, sort of, it was like this uh, England trip uh, with a bunch of other students. It was like two weeks where we went to England, France, and Scotland, and uh, yeah, we just ended up at a random pub, and I, yeah, we watched that game but i had no idea what the significance was of that was but i remember it uh seeing the i believe it was the on andrea Pirlo, like um the the set Mm. piece where they had the wall set up and he had he was trying to curl it around and it kind of just nicked off it was was it Pirlo or was it kaka who, who made that goal where it, it deflected off one of the players, but it, the spin was so intense on it that despite that deflection, it still kind of like rolled around and made it into the net. If, if you, that kind of springs any memories for you. But it was either Pierre no. or Kaka who no, I can't uh, that. made that. And I yeah, that was probably my first like – big match that I had seen uh, you know and and that was kind of wild so um, but yeah so you know kind of getting into the the more modern era what was your first like kind of like US World Cup experience or you know kind of watching them
0: I was going to I was going to jump into that actually yeah um, like a minute or two ago because I remember I didn't watch their first game they had in the 2006 tournament. Like, I, I knew about the U.S., but, like, I never watched them back then. Uh, also, TV rights were very limited for any soccer games internationally. Um, so seeing them in, you know, the World Cup was great. I didn't watch their first game, but I watched the USA-Italy game the year that Italy won it. And USA should have won that game. Um, and I remember my favorite moment of that game being when De Rossi, when yeah, it was De Rossi, he elbowed Brian McBride in like the forehead or like yeah, somewhere yeah. in the head, and he got this massive welt yep right on his forehead, and then he ended up scoring with it. <laughs> That's pretty wild. (laughs) He ended up scoring a goal with it. And uh, I think it finished 1-1, but I know the U.S. should have won, but there was some lousy call about obstructing the Italian goalkeeper, uh, Buffon. So the U.S. could have been up in that game 2-1, but yeah. I mean, I remember that game was crazy. I think there were like two red cards or something in it. Uh, Just a great game all around.
1: Um, I, yeah, you know, I've, I've alluded to it before, but my earliest memory was definitely the 2010, uh, world cup and the match that the U S had against Algeria was the wildest finish where, um, it was dying. I mean, when you talk about like the dying m- minutes of a game, I mean, it was the dying seconds of the game, um, um, where Algeria, they made a run on the U S uh, and, you know, Tim Howard saved the shot. He, boot, or he, he uh, throws the ball downfield. field. Uh, it gets, you know, sort of brought up the side. Um, they eventually get it over where uh, it was, I want to say like, I think Clint Dempsey had the initial shot on goal it deflects off the keeper and Landon Donovan comes in uh say, saves the uh rebound and then um puts it in and just seeing the uh, just the enormity of that situation it was very early kind of like YouTube internet. So you saw all the players, you know, run. They had that big pile up in the corner. And uh, the weeks after that, you had just video after video of like the um, bar crowds having reactions to that moment. And I think, you know, for for a lot of casual people, like seeing that happen, especially with the United States, like I think that definitely uh fostered new fans i mean i know it did with me and uh that that for sure uh is is one of the most pivotal moments you know for for the u.s men's national team like yeah you know we don't have to go into what happened after that but again you know uh yeah the, the those moments are awesome and i think that's been just hugely yeah. influential
0: you know uh which game i which game I hated. From that tournament, from that 2010 What, what was that?
1: Oh, it was an English game, wasn't it?
0: Drawing, drawing, drawing the US, England, US one-one off of um, Robert Green's uh, wonderful hands That's- of his. Who, where Clint Dempsey hit it on the ground and it basically rolled. Yes. And then uh, a goalie forgot how to use his hands and it went straight to the goal. And it was like, what is going on?
1: Weeks after that, I remember like uh, even like College Humor uh, made a a video of that moment. Um, Just, yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, there is something.
0: It just made no sense. There's
1: something. Yeah, that's familiar because that also happened uh, this year between the United States and England. In in the group stage, yeah. Um,
0: God, that game was boring. <laughs> I hate that, I hate that so, game too. The, z- the zero zero. That's
1: really funny. You say that. Uh, you know, I. So yes, I I came in with a or I kind of left that with a different mind altogether, and I think that's just that speaks to sort of the expectation that England fans pile on their team. I was actually. Oh, we chatted. I, yeah, so like I was in Mexico, uh, celebrating my um, honeymoon with my wife, and uh, we were at this resort where they had a kind of like a sports bar area, and I there was like a ton of English dudes there, all kind of like so in the funny. back. So when they're playing, uh, which actually funny enough at that time was God Save the King, which kind of blew my wife's mind because she's a, she was like, oh, yeah, there's a king yeah. now. Um, they were like going full throated, just saying that. And me, There was one other uh, or maybe a couple other U.S. fans there. Um, most of them were casual uh, just sort of watching it. Uh, there was one other woman and her husband there, and uh, they were Atlanta United fans. So, like, they they knew the deal. Um, but yeah. I had to show up on these English guys, and so they start the U.S. National Anthem, and I stand up, and I start screaming the National anthem, like, top <laughs> of my lungs. And then I... So, like... Oh, say, can you see, you know, I'm starting, I mean, I'm getting there and, uh, you know, just about, you know, kind of halfway through that first stanza. I'm like, Oh, I am like the only one doing this. I better not mess this up. (laughs) So like, I, I am worried. Like, I, I hope I know all the words because if I start forgetting, like, this is going to be the dumbest thing ever, but luckily, like I, I, the whole way through it. I got I got so intense that I spilled my wife's drink <laughs> off the table. I was just out of my mind. Um, but no, then, you know, and, and, and so like that happened and, like the, the game starts. I'm singing the songs at the English dudes. They're singing songs back at me. They're, they're like, who are ya? Who are ya? You know, all of that.
0: I love that. I had a I had a like a showing party at my place nice. for it, and all the all suddenly all the American dudes that I knew who I I know have haven't watched a game in their life suddenly were like yeah let's watch it I'm so pumped that's great and uh and yeah so they all came over and then they were like zero zero I'm like what are we doing <laughs> and I was like yeah it happens sometimes <laughs> like I'm sorry it's not like. You're going to get, it's not like you're getting a touchdown every, you know, three minutes. Um, but that game, I felt, yeah, it just felt like England didn't want to lose, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, they were just like, I'll just tie them and then we'll, we're playing Wales and Iran. So we'll probably beat them both, you yeah. know. Um, But yeah, I mean, oh God, I would have loved to have won. but get on the US too. They, they were definitely the better team in that.
1: Yeah. And you know I so like my my thing was it was so good seeing the the at least the US team play such tight um tactics like I I loved how they approached that game um I you know I would say yes like both teams uh were definitely uh more more sparring than than actually like going for killing blows uh in that match but I thought the U.S. just absolutely held their own. I mean, the the you know England, to their credit, they played their style for better or worse. You know that that possession play, and they, yeah, you know, uh, you know, for for the most part, like yeah, that's that's where the English fans were were definitely critical. Uh, But for me, I was just so happy to see the team like, you know, staying tight and, uh, you know, they just yeah, they played it so well against England. So, uh, yeah, you know, Belgium was a different story, but I mean, uh, you know, Belgium is Belgium whenever the U.S. plays. So that's that's kind of, uh, you know, that's a a little bit of a given. That's another
0: uh, that's another great U.S. men's national team game. And I mean this in a positive way. I know the U.S. lost it. But I think yep. it was round of sixteen against Belgium in twenty fourteen. Might be twenty
1: fourteen was, uh, yeah, that game. Tim Howard was shout crazy. out. Uh, Tim Howard shout out uh, tied for most saves in a single game. I think. I think it was like sixteen was or something. F- sixteen or fifteen, somewhere around there. I want to say. F- 16 that sounds better but (laughs) more um, is always better (laughs) more is always better but you know for the most part it's the it's the uh sort of the finish of that game or or close to it uh where um or is it was that the Ghana game the the John Brooks oh that was against Ghana that was against Ghana. that's right where the Belgium game I
0: think was one zero in the end, but it could have yeah. been four or five. And Tim Howard was just a monster in that game. And it was, was the last World m- Cup. It was his last World Cup. And he went out being like, Yeah. On yeah. that guy. There was a
1: moment, uh, who was oh gosh, who was that really good Kansas City player? Uh he played for Kansas City forever. And that he was a you know kind of a men's national team uh, mainstay. The the name escapes me, but he had just a really tight chance. I remember at at the end uh, to draw it even, but unfortunately it did not work out for the national team. It was probably the best and, you know, Belgium
0: it, was too. It was probably their best team they had. Vincent company,
1: you had uh, Fellaini. Who else was Bruyne, on that squad? De Bruyne,
0: Hazard, oh, De Bruyne, Lukaku. Yeah. Uh, yep. What's his name? I'm blanking his name, but he plays for Atletico. Um, yeah, uh, they have Witzel as well. They yep. just had, I mean, and it was all them at like their their perfect ages. So, yeah, I I went to that game being like the US is about to get ruined, and uh, no, they kept it. They kept it the full 90 minutes, and that was that was the one game where I was like, okay, there's something here, like this. This yeah. U.S. team's got got something coming up, um, you know, and then that's why the, the 2018 miss was so big. But then they looked good again in this World Cup this year.
1: And yeah, kind of getting back into that, you know, uh, this World Cup was really interesting because you had Italy missing out on qualification this time. Love it. Uh, and then not only that, you had Germany bowing out at the group stage i thought they were gonna go so far but no that oof.
0: yeah that was uh, bad uh didn't they they lost to south korea or something pretty badly and they lost to someone else Mon- yeah. monaco maybe a different group but yeah they just didn't look good at all like not at all yeah
1: yeah um but you know and, and yeah the united states you know sort of had their drama to deal with and you know it is what it is but the 2026 world cup is coming around uh it's got three host nations you've got mexico uh us and canada and i'm excited for it like i you know i i it's crazy to think it but i'm going to be 40 years old <laughs> when when that tournament comes around. So uh oh, hopefully man
0: I'll be 32, yeah.
1: Wow. Why why you yeah, gotta make me
0: think about ages?
1: <laughs> well yeah yeah well you know I mean it's it's coming along here so <laughs> time time always marches forward. It'll be it'll be um, fun. Are you gonna
0: try to go to a game?
1: I would love to. So like I I do see like they're playing in Kansas city or Chicago as well. Um, I would love to go to either one of those spots yeah. um, East, and see East them East coast play. isn't
0: great for games. Unfortunately, I think got closest place is Philly um, yep. or new England, which is Philly, new England
1: uh, is Miami thrown in there. I, I wanted to say, like, I thought maybe, I saw
0: maybe um, Florida
1: was in the mix. But yeah um, i mean i'm
0: I'm kind of bummed by it. The one warning I will give, which I have given my friends, remember that when a World Cup comes around, everything in the country becomes more expensive for that time. a yeah. lot more expensive um yeah, saw it in Germany, saw it in Brazil, Brazil was so expensive, oh my god. um, so you know, if you were planning on on going to a to a world cup game in the U S of a definitely start building the budget that I would, yeah. def- and tickets will also probably be pretty expensive. Yep, yeah.
1: And I mean, this is a great time to get into this because you know, the players that this team has put together, I mean, is, is crazy. You look through it. It is, you know, a lot of European club players, uh, so you get to kind of you know pick someone who's your favorite, and if they play for a particular you know big name club, uh, you can definitely start following. Them. You know, for instance, Matt Turner, yeah, Arsenal goalkeeper, great guy overall, love him. Uh, he's he's a good one to follow. You have Sergio Des, uh, who plays for AC Milan. Uh, you have Tim Ream, who plays for Fulham. Uh, going into midfield, Bullisitch. Brendan Aronson yeah
0: who <laughs> kind of who kind of plays for Chelsea <laughs> who kind
1: of plays for Chelsea uh but you know not only that but you got Gio Reyna for Borussia Dortmund yeah um
0: maybe Baligan uh, what
1: what was that
0: maybe Balogun. Oh.
1: <laughs> yeah um but no wes and mckinney he's he i if any if there's anyone who i name as like my favorite on the national team he's up there i've been following him you know since he sort of made his uh start with shalka um back in like god what was that 20 i 2016 2017 somewhere around there um and then, obviously, you know, he from there he went on to uh, play for Juventus over in Italy, and now he's with uh, Leeds USA United. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with with Aronson and uh, I'm I'm trying to find the other person uh, who is Brendan Aronson and oh, who's the other Leeds guy? Robinson. I can't. Oh, Robinson. That's right. So, yeah, no, I, I, I love that you have, you know, three big name players playing in the pre- Premier League. Got Tim Ream the as well team for over Fulham. there. Yep. So, yeah, no, uh, these are exciting players to watch, and especially like, yeah, if if any of them play for a team that is from a country that you've visited before or anything like that, that's just a good way to kind of get into the team and then get into whoever they play uh for the most part uh probably the one of the best like trackers of US players over in Europe is um uh Steve Goff he's a writer for the yep. Washington Post does a weekly like you know uh Yankees abroad uh type of type of write up where he talks about guys who are playing you know just at you know multiple league levels, so it's super cool to like track that and then find you know kind of like the next crop of players who are gonna be coming up uh, through the team. Um, yeah,
0: I'll actually be seeing uh, some USA players in July and how they shape up against Arsenal. That's true. I'm gonna. Oh, I, I got uh, I got tickets today to go to the MLS All Star Game.
1: That is super cool, and I'm really jealous. That is, uh, you know what? One thing it's it's cool, uh, you know, seeing that Wayne Rooney is going to be coaching uh, the MLS All Stars. Uh, he's going to want to win he gets, too. <laughs> he's going to want that so bad. Um, but no, I would, I would. Uh, may may, I don't know I don't think it's in the cards for a for a cross-country trip like that this summer actually I think we actually have a lot of stuff going on in July but um no uh I'm I'm excited for that and and hopefully that's an Arsenal team that will be coming off celebrating their Premier League title win that would be amazing they they had a good weekend
0: yeah they had a very good weekend
1: Uh, as as well as Manchester United. We're kind of getting into the news section of this show. We're kind of coming up on about 50 minutes. So, you know, kind of wrapping things up a little bit. But uh, so Manchester United had a wild game this weekend. (laughs) What was that like?
0: That game was ridiculous. We should have lost. (laughs) I'll, I'll be the first to say it. We were so bad. Yeah. Um, and I i mean, Fulham beat themselves. I think, you know, A, Sancho was playing 40 chest, working, uh, working to make sure that, you know, don't just get the goal to tie it up. Make sure that you also get three red cards out of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I mean, yeah, Fulham beat themselves. Mitrovic lost his head. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just all good. And then, you know, in terms of Man United, um, the bids were due this evening in England Mm -hmm. and, uh, there's sort of a two horse race, but apparently I read earlier that, uh, Sir Jim Radcliffe of Ineos, they didn't submit a second bid, which means the only bid is the Qataris. Um, so interested to see what happens with that, but yeah, and then yeah, a lot a lot going on right now in sport, a lot going on uh Arsenal is of course cruising still
1: yeah they they took on Crystal Palace last weekend, and uh it it was just kind of like a uh run them out of town type of game. uh, it was, yeah, they had a great start with uh was it Martinelli who had the first goal? And then you had a couple from uh, Bakio Osaka, uh, or no one from Baki Osaka, And then um, I forget the third player uh, who got the goal. He's the Swedish guy. Uh, he's got a name. He's got an <laughs> I'm like really unfamiliar with him. Um, but no, like, yeah, it was it was a fantastic little game and Pretty, pretty clean. You know, I I know like people like a lot of the talk has been, you know, can Arsenal kind of keep it together going into the final uh, 10 games of the season? And uh, hopefully they'll be able to pull it off. But I, I, you know, after the international break, I'll be kind of back glued to my seat. Yes. seeing how they finish it out. So speaking of international break, I did want to. Uh, just pull this up, so you know. With the Concacaf Nations League going on, this was started uh, back in 2018, and essentially it was, you know, kind of FIFA putting together a big old tournament for Concacaf. You know, um, that it's it's very strange because you know the Gold Cup has been like the big. CONCACAF tournament but that's just kind of like a straight on you know group stage knockout round tournament this one is a little bit different because they have um leagues i guess they call them now instead okay. of groups. so i don't know what the difference really is but um they they essentially do a league format and then uh they finish it out with a tournament And the U.S. won the first iteration of it. So uh, coming up, you've got this weekend, Friday, which might happen. This podcast might go out either before or after. Depends on how good I do with my editing. But it will be coming. So Friday, uh, March 24th at 7 p.m., USA takes on Granada. And then Monday, March 27th at 6 30 p.m. And these are central times, uh, the USA plays El Salvador. And another good memory of El Salvador was I got to see the United States uh play them at FedEx Field. Um it was a oh, very god. hot day.
0: <laughs> oh god. <And>
1: no. <laughs> I I got very shirtless. Uh <laughs> only way like, to do it way too early in that game but it was it was a scorcher of a day uh a lot of like dc united guys uh were there and um they you know anyone in dc hates dan snyder so anytime we were sort of there to you know uh or you know kind of there uh i saw one guy just smashing seats up uh it, in the section we were at I like that. so he was just basically taking his foot and he would just you know crunch you know crunch down on the seat portion and just like rip it off its hinges um very much like RFK style when after they had their last match and people kind of took their own souvenirs from that place uh that was great uh but kind of going back as well i you know as i was researching this i also was remembered Or reminded that in 2013, Germany came to the US and they had a friendly against the USA at RFK and sold out the place. And what I thought was like the most dangerous thing in the world, they filled the upper bowl. Oh, no. Anyone who knows RFK knows like you don't go up to the upper bowl but apparently they they open it up and it was structurally sound enough to, <laughs> to handle God, that that, crap, place, but.
0: that place is either getting torn down or now it's getting torn down it's gotta get torn yeah down. yeah <laughs> um still no saving yeah, it yeah
1: no i i you know this was fun to kind of like dive back into national team talk you know i i true it's kind of weird i don't follow the national team enough uh compared to uh you know a lot of the club teams that i support um mostly because it's it's just weird i you know when these international breaks come on it seems more happenstance than anything because like i it really just kind of dawns on me like oh yeah international
0: break is really international
1: breaks happening this week i had no idea like you know (laughs)
0: so oh, i've been dreading it i'm like what am i gonna do for a week and a half i think it is
1: yeah oh yeah especially in, in kind of like the the down the stretch uh you know portion of the european leagues you know this is especially painful uh when this comes around
0: for sure definitely i'm just on the edge of my seat wondering wondering when we're gonna <laughs> play next
1: uh where where is Manchester United on the table? Are they fourth right now or? Fifth? So right
0: now we're in third because Tottenham doesn't know how to play the game. Um, that's right. They had a wonderful. They went up to nothing and and uh, then tied. Also, that's some news. Antonio Conte just absolutely burying his team. That was amazing to see. If you haven't looked yes. that up, please look it up. It's so funny.
1: Um, I'm going to put that in the show notes.
0: Yeah, that is a great video where he basically says the players don't care and they want to have comfy lives. So if you're ever having a bad day, just just watch that because it's amazing. Um, Yeah, so we're currently in third. Uh, Just made it to the quarters quarters Mm -hmm. of uh, Europa and just yeah, and now we're in the semifinals of the FA Cup. Uh, we're currently we're currently scheduled to play Brighton in the FA Cup, and then five hours later play Chelsea. So I'm I'm hoping we're going to see a little bit of rescheduling there. Uh, mm-hmm. cause if, yeah, I mean, ton of games, ton of games we got coming up. So things are things are looking interesting.
1: All right, well, so just, you know, we're coming up on the end. So to kind of wrap things up, a little correction on myself. Uh, It was Bruce Arena who coached the 2006 uh, World Cup squad. So I think I said 2002 earlier, uh, so wanted to correct myself on that. Um, But, yeah, this this was like kind of like our our first like genuine like taking on taking on probably a topic that that was way too big for the time frame uh that we sort of gave ourselves a lot to put in a lot to put in but this was really fun to go down, and I, I think this is very much the flavor I want to go through is looking at a lot of these, um, you know, histories, and then also, you know, we there's so much potential to the, drill down, um, with these individual like World Cup tournaments and whatnot. Definitely. So, I am super excited to get into that, uh, to explore that further. And then, um, this, this episode is going to have lots of show notes, even you know, more. References that you know, I didn't even get a chance to sort of reference in this show. We're gonna have like lots of links for that. Um, but yeah, I'm Daniel Wise. You can find me on Twitter at Daniel605Wise and on uh Instagram at ProfessorSDFC.
0: Uh, Tom, where can the folks find you? Sure, you can find me as Snitch McConnell on Twitter and then on instagram there's ti ferguson94 uh daniel i think you can handle the our channel our channel pages
1: for sure and as always you can find the artful nutmeg on instagram at the artful nutmeg and on twitter as well at the artful nutmeg but it's been a pleasure sharing this story with you a thank you to all who listen to our show and support us remember to be well and watch more soccer